Colossians chapter 4, the text reads like this. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Amen. Let's pray together. We take our stand on your word now, Father, and we pray that in so doing, you would anchor us to the hope that we have in Christ by means of your word. And we pray that as you do that, you would feed us and you would nourish us, you would build us up and you would make us strong. And we ask it, Lord, to the praise of your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. I have just one verse for us again tonight, and it is Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it, with thanksgiving. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it, with thanksgiving. A number of years ago, I heard a story about a church member who had fallen on hard times financially. She couldn't afford to take her mortgage and she did not pay her mortgage and she did not know what to do and uh, one Sunday morning her pastor looked at her and knew immediately that something was wrong and so he asked her what is the matter and she told him she spilt her heart to him she said the bank are threatening to repossess the home and I, I do not know what to do and the next day the pastor went over to her house with money he'd withdrawn some money he hoped it'd be enough to cover at least one month of her mortgage and so we knocked on the door no answer and so we knocked on the door again no answer and so the next time he he saw her he said to her where were you on on Monday, I came around and she said, oh, that was you. I thought that was the bailiff. <laughs> you, you see what had happened there? Help had come her way and she'd mistaken it for harm and so it had been lost altogether. And you know, whenever a person preaches on prayer, he is so aware that the people might do just the same thing. 
retreat into themselves because they know their prayer lives aren't what they ought to be. You all know that famous quote, don't you? If you really want to humble a Christian, ask him about his prayer life. So I just want to say right on the outset of this message tonight, I am not out to get you. I am here to help you tonight. I want to preach as a Barnabas, not as a bailiff. I will challenge us. That's just an indispensable part of New Testament preaching. What did Paul say to young Timothy? He said, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his kingdom, by his appearing and kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, he says, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. And so I will reprove, I will rebuke, I will exhort us tonight, but I hope and pray with complete patience. Again, as a Barnabas and not as a bailiff. But friends, I believe that we need this message on prayer tonight, partly in view of what we were thinking about the last time I preached. Remember the last time I preached on a Sunday night, we were looking at Psalm 85 verses 6 to 7, where the psalmist asked God, will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you, show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. And I said, if it's revival that we want, then we need to empty our hands of all of our carnal, man-made efforts, and we need to get on our knees and look to heaven and ask God to do what only he can do. Because revival happens after prayer. Not long after we moved back to the UK and we were living in the flat just next door to Brian and, and Margaret's house. I'd walk that mile from Mel's to, to Hoylake to the church building and just feeling the unbelievable weight of responsibility on my shoulders. And I would just repeat four Ps to myself over and over and over again. Preach, pray, pastor, persevere. Because they are the weapons of our warfare. And, and it's amazing, isn't it? You think about this. The Apostle Paul knew that himself. Who had a ministry like the Apostle Paul? He was a man who wrote the book of Romans and raised the dead. He was a man who, who saw men and women and presumably boys and girls saved in every town and city and, and wherever he went. And yet he pleaded with the churches to pray. You put all of the world's philosophers on one side of the scale and you put the Apostle Paul on the other side of the scale and Paul outweighs them all in terms of his influence in the world. He turned the world upside down and he begged the churches that he himself had planted to pray for him. Because he knew if you don't pray for me, my ministry will amount to nothing more than wood, hay and stubble. And if that was true of Paul, then how much more true is that of us 
tonight as we seek to minister the gospel in our day and in our generation. So let's hear these words again. Colossians 4 verse 2. Paul writes there, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And we're going to label the message tonight, how to pray. And I have three points. Number one, continue steadfastly in prayer. Number two, being watchful in it. Number three, with thanksgiving. So number one, continue steadfastly in prayer. Now for us to, for us to drill down into those words, continue steadfastly in prayer. Let's ask ourselves the question, who does that? Who, who does continue steadfastly in prayer? Well, I'll tell you who. A person who is in touch with reality. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean that comfort and prosperity and security and health and friendships all have a blinding effect on the soul. They're not bad in and of themselves, but they whisper peace peace when there is no peace apart from the peace that comes from the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And therefore, the person who continues steadfastly in prayer is the person who realizes Jesus Christ is all that I have. He's not just all I need, he is all that I have. These are the men, these are the women who are awake, who are aware who are in touch, in tune with reality and with their need because they recognize that they are in danger every single hour and that Jesus Christ is their only hope. The one who continues steadfastly in prayer is the one who is desperate. And he's desperate because he's in tune with reality. He doesn't pray so much out of duty. He prays out of full-blown necessity. And the truth is this, friends. The more your eyes are open to reality, the more they'll be closed in prayer. And the more they are closed to reality, the more they will be open to prayerlessness. Picture yourselves now almost waist deep in a stream. The water is barely moving and it's warm. You lay back. You feel about as soothed as you've ever felt in your life. You feel like your inbox has been launched in a rocket into the sun and it is no more. And you feel as though the water has arms and is cradling you. And you look up to the branches and the leaves and you notice that you're, you're barely moving. So you, you close your eyes for two minutes. And then you, two minutes later, you open your eyes and the water is warmer and you're moving faster. But you know that you can just put your foot down at any moment and walk to the shore. So you close your eyes again. And then five minutes later, you, you open your eyes and you realize that you're moving faster. So you think to yourself, okay, time to put my feet down. And you try, but you can't. There's nothing but water beneath you. And there's no branches above you for you to grab. There's no rocks for you to hold onto around you. And suddenly the thought comes into your mind, I am a goner. Because 100 meters downstream, I'm going over that waterfall. And friends, that is what earthly comforts do to our soul. They whisper to us, 
There isn't a holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And Jesus will not say, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. And your enemy is not a a, a lion who is prowling and roaring, seeking someone to devour. You don't need to resist him firm in your faith. He's got world-famous preachers to bother for goodness sake. Get over yourself. But the one who continues steadfastly in prayer is the one whose feet are planted in reality. And the waves and the waters and the streams of distraction pass them by And yet their feet are solid as a rock, steadfast, continuously in prayer because they're aware of their weakness and their need for Christ. They they sing, help me now to live a life that's dependent on your grace. Keep my heart and guard my soul from the evils that I face. Therefore, friends, to one and to all, I say to you tonight, wake up. Wake up. And I could stand up here and I could give us all of these tips and all of these little techniques on prayer. But you know, friends, the reality is that if you want to become more prayerful, you've got to become more awake to reality. Put your foot down now while you still can. Because friend, there is a holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And the Lord Jesus Christ will one day say, depart from me, I never knew you, to men who prophesied and cast out demons. And the devil is a roaring lion. And he does prowl around seeking someone to devour. And therefore you do need to resist him Firm in your faith. The easiest one for him to pick off is the one who is drunk on carnal security. But to be that Barnabas tonight, do let me encourage you then with this. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18 says, we have this and that is our final salvation in heaven in the end. He says, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. That, that since Jesus has completed the work of salvation, the gates of paradise are open to us Our hope is anchored in the highest place and there is a chain coming down to it that's wrapped around every true believer but the application isn't therefore let go. The application is therefore hold on. Hold on all the way to glory. That if there is this guarantee of salvation don't don't let go of it but instead hold on to it. With steadfast resolve. And that's what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 6.11. He says, we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness. And to have the full assurance of hope until the end. So that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And what does that earnestness look like? Well, one answer could be it looks like continuing steadfastly in prayer. And crying out every day, Lord, help me. Lord, save me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, don't let me go. Don't let me 
go another day with my head beneath this stream, Lord, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Lord, everything I have, I give it to you. I can't be trusted with anything that's in my hands, so I place it all into your omnipotent hands. But the word continue Continue steadfastly in prayer implies that we are already praying, doesn't it? How can you continue in something unless you're doing it in the first place? And so therefore, therefore, friends, I ask you, are you a man of prayer? Are you a woman of prayer? No, I'm not, I'm not asking if you're a man of prayer on Tuesday night. I'm asking, are you a man of prayer when no one is watching And when no one is listening, does that describe you? Friend, if not, if it doesn't describe you, you can become a man of prayer. You can become a woman of prayer today if you are genuinely saved because all of the obstacles between us us and God have been removed. And as we're going to think in a little bit, In a few moments, God is now your father. You are now his son or his daughter. His Holy Spirit indwells you. The communication lines are open. And therefore, even if the last 10 years of your Christian life have been basically prayerless, all of that can change tonight. Because where you begin in life needn't be where you finish up. And if you will become... If you'll become that man or woman of prayer, then Paul's got another word of instruction for you. And that is second, be watchful in it. Be watchful in prayer. This is is really how we are to continue steadfastly in prayer. By being watchful in it. What does that word mean? What does it mean to be watchful in prayer? Well, we get a clue, don't we, in Matthew 26. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, we read Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Three times, Jesus pleaded with these men to watch and to pray. Watch, watch, watch and pray. Why? That you might not enter into temptation. And so I take from that then that to to be watchful in prayer means to be watchful for anything that would bind you or bound you into temptation and lead you then to failure. It means being so alert that instead of you being bound in temptation, you bind it. 
And you bind it hand and foot and you throw it out. You take every thought captive because you're watching it the way a watchman watches for the enemy. For the health and for the well-being of the entire town. I already mentioned things like comfort and prosperity and health and friendships. They are things like that. But the the reality is we are all susceptible to to temptation in different ways. And so Paul tells us here that in order to continue steadfastly in prayer, we must be watchful in prayer. And this involves knowing ourselves really, really well. It means being able to watch Knowing what tempts you, when you are tempted, how you are tempted, what it is that you are tempted towards. Because what tempts one man to pride might not be what tempts another man to pride. And what tempts one woman to idolatry might not be what tempts another woman to idolatry. I love the opening words to, to John Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion. Listen to this. He says, Our wisdom, insofar as it ought to be deemed true and solid wisdom, consists almost entirely of two parts. The knowledge of God and of ourselves. I told you a few weeks ago about my friend who became my brother. You remember he was converted and wonderfully what happened not long after he was saved was that the, the hound of heaven, the Holy Spirit really began to, to convict this young man about the way that he would waste so much of his time on video games. He had literally thousands of dollars, this was back in the US, worth of video games And one day he could bear the conviction no longer. And with his arms, he got them all together and he just threw them all away so that he could spend that time with God and being watchful in prayer. Now listen, you could not pay me in diamonds to get into video games. I used to be when I was eight years old, but then I sort of moved on a little bit with my life. But I'm weak in other areas. And the truth is, it's not even just enough for us to know ourselves. We also have to have other people know us as well. We all have blind spots, don't we? I do. And you do as well. And the person with no real meaningful friendships in the church may well think that he's doing really well, but he wouldn't know that he's not doing really well because no one knows him well enough to be able to tell him. And it's why Hebrews chapter 3 says, take care, brothers, not apostates, not outsiders, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another. Exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And I would say that being watchful in prayer is impossible by yourself. It's impossible in isolation. The church needs the church. 
Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it, and lastly, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. And friends, this is when prayer goes from prayer to Christian prayer. Because the Christian is the one who, whose prayers are permeated with thanksgiving as a man, as a woman of the good news. The good news. We are a good news people. And our prayers are to sound like it. As we pray with thanksgiving with the people of the gospel of the one who was miraculously born of a virgin. And who obeyed where we disobeyed. And who obeyed where we failed. And who bore our sins and our sorrows. And who made them his very own. And bore the burden to Calvary. And suffered and died alone. But then who gloriously rose on the third day. And who ascended into heaven. And is now calling a people to himself. And since we are one with him. We pray for victory as victors already. We pray for the pulling down of strongholds as those who are already conquerors in Christ. We are already more than conquerors in Christ and that's why we are those who can pray with thanksgiving. We're not waiting for heaven to pray with thanksgiving. We can pray with thanksgiving now. And you know what, friends? I really believe that the key to praying with thanksgiving really boils down to two realities. Remembering who you are and remembering whose you are. That before you come to prayer, you, you shut out all of those distractions and you say to yourself, I am forgiven. I am loved. I am adopted. I am a son of God." I am beloved. I am His. And the God that I belong to is the God of all grace. He's the God of all comfort and all mercy and all love and all salvation. And because I am His and because He is mine, I can pray with thanksgiving. How could you not pray with thanksgiving in view of who you are and in view of whose you are. And again, I really believe that so much of our struggling boils down to a forgetfulness in either of those two places. Who we are or whose we are. Perhaps, friend, that could really make all the difference in your prayer life this coming week and beyond, remembering who you are in Christ and whose you are in Christ in order for you to be able to pray with thanksgiving no matter the threat no matter the attack no matter the opposition no matter the enemy either from within or from without someone asked me recently what's your favorite book of the bible and I said two chronicles and they thought that I was joking and I wasn't and what I want to do to close this message is read to you the best illustration I know in the Bible of praying with thanksgiving and in that thanksgiving seeing the victory of God come through. 
if I were handing this message in to be assessed by some bigwig preacher, I'd definitely fail because you're not supposed to end the sermon with a massive, awkwardly long reading, but I'm going to do it anyway. And this is what we read in the book of 2 Chronicles. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites and with them some of the Munites came against Jehoshaphat for battle. And some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Eden, from beyond the sea. And behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is Engedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord from all the cities of Judah. They came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it, to, uh, give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house. And cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now, behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy, behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, a Levite of the son of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jerul. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah 
And the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshipping the Lord. And the Levites of the Kohathites and the Korathites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire. And they went before the army and and said, Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were rooted. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. Well, friends, well, we too, we go to war against the enemy within, against the enemy without, with thanksgiving, knowing that the battle is not ours, but is the Lord's. And that is all you need to be a man of prayer who prays with thanksgiving. If the battle was yours, you would fail. The battle is his. And therefore you will succeed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Let me pray for us and then we'll sing a song of praise and thanks to our God.